It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Cold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hey. Hey, guys. Oh, Almost again. got you, Matt. <laughs> Threw the change up on me there. I know. I, I'm just keeping it up. He was looking at me, too, while I was doing it this week, but I don't know. Next week, I'll, I'll go back to hello. But for the crap, Matt, we give you about trying to get your intros messed up, I think we're here to talk about some, I guess, crap about the Preds, because, boys, they are doing terrible. In their last four games, they've went four, four, and zero, and they are no closer to making the playoffs. Yeah, um, pretty much kind of what we were saying last time. Right now, we're still floating as about a 500 team, just under 500, where is, you know, that is Heinz basically coaching record is right at 500 or under 500. So uh, I think we're pretty much par for the course at this time. So interesting thing about this. Sorry, Matt. uh, It just struck me that I want to say this before we get too far in. Today, I actually looked up John Hines' coaching record. And as we have discussed in the past, John Hines has never been above fifth place for any team he's coached. That includes the New Jersey Devils and now the Preds. However, I went and looked at his AHL career, and he led the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins to the playoffs every year he played them. So I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe we got an AHL coach. (laughs) His AHL talent has not transitioned to the NHL level, much like many players. So I'm just going to leave it at that. So what do we do? It's like, you know, the Preds are playing Carolina tonight. They've oh. not looked very good. And I just keep wondering, are we going to reach the point of the season that if we just don't do better? Because guys, right now, I've simply said we're not making the playoffs. Unless an absolute miracle on the ice happens, we're not making it. And I think we need to get ready for the point that we could see the coach traded off, well, not traded, but fired, and then see some of our key players possibly leave. Let's just go over some of the stats before we get into just the injuries alone, because let me tell you, this is going to, this is going to rack up a a toll here, but currently we are posting a 0.440 percentage as far as when we are seventh in the division, uh, 24th in the the league with a record of 11, 14 and zero. The goal differential is minus 21 too, because there's been a couple games that we got absolutely just hammered on that did not help the stars game early in the season. Did not help that 0-7, oh, so uh, it is what it is at this point. Um, Forsberg is leading the team. Shocker. Like, are we surprised by this? I mean, he's actually putting up above a points per game average right now, so uh, Thank God. He, he is he is the team at this point. Um, our power play has seen improvements, which we will get to later in the show. We are now at 18th overall, but there's even some more advanced stats we'll get into with that. Um, the penalty kill is still at a stellar 29 because we started off pretty much in the dumpster because of Dallas as well. So thank you, Dallas, for just ruining all of our stats at the beginning of the season. But we're not really probably going to get out of that uh, that hole anytime soon. Uh, currently, Saros is on the injured reserve with a .895 and a concussion. And... <laughs> And Rene has a .902 right now because he has been getting almost all the starts, which is almost mind-boggling to think at this point in his career, he is getting like back-to-back starts on back-to-back days as like a 38-year-old. Uh, so uh, 
He's. I thought he's done very well, actually, considering yeah, I think considering so all uh, all the factors. Um, honestly, right now, it's a free for all because we we have half of our team. <laughs> if you wanted the youth movement, well, it's happening now just by default because of uh, injuries and some of these people. You know, they're not going to leave. Like Duchesne's probably not going to get traded. Ryan Ellis not going anywhere. So it's just kind of funny that like some of these youth are actually getting used kind of in proxy with these injuries uh, injuries going on right now. Um, which is kind of some foreshadowing to come because I'm sure there's going to be a few pieces that do get traded off. So uh, uh, it, it's been nice to see. I, I definitely think it's been a good change of pace, and uh, we somehow pulled a win out of Dallas the other night. Uh, we'll go over that game here in a bit, but uh, um, it, it's just going to be a tough stretch, especially these back-to-backs. Like the next several games, it's just going to be tough with all these injuries, and it's Carolina. We haven't won against Carolina this year, so we'll see. Well, it's like you said, the youth movement is here. Don't you love it when a plan comes together? Even though it isn't really on purpose, it still is what you got. So the fans are, I think we're all kind of still excited to see that regardless if it was a forced hand or not. It's still exciting to look forward to. I'm really excited with just how the group has been doing good as a whole, like the youth movement. I love the fact that Ellie Tolvin has finally, I guess, found his place in our lineup and is killing on the power play. He is doing fantastic. And I'm like, man, then we got Rem Pitlick came up here tonight. Alexander Carrier. Yes, I love the veterans we have on this team, but like you said, Matt, we've got a youth movement. We need to actually let these kids play. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, too. I know you've been really high on Carrier for a while. Um, he was stuck yeah, in Milwaukee forever. They just never could find, <laughs> technically find room for him. Yeah, and, and I get it, too, and especially with all the trade rumors going around with possibly dealing Ekholm, you know, like, there, there could be a key piece on defense that will be leaving. So I think there is going to be room for players like him to step up because I felt like we did really well as far as assuring our bottom third pair this year because we we got rid of Tenorti, shipped him off, got Burrow and Benning, and that's been a lot better, honestly. It really has. Um, and, and that said, I think Carrier should slot in at some point, especially if we do get rid of like an Ekholm uh, to get some pieces back. Um, Davies is playing tonight in his NHL debut. We will see how that goes. Just from the two-minute sample size that I saw before the episode, uh, he looked a little jittery. So uh, it's his first start. He's going to have to settle in some. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's going to be some nerves for all these players. I mean, it, these are these are big-time moves for some of them. I mean, uh, like some of these players are like 19, 20, 21. You got to think, like, these are still like <laughs> people just graduating high school, Okay playing in the NHL. So uh, that said, uh, I think I think Davies got actually, he was acquired in the Subban trade. So he's actually a little bit older. He was in the 2016 draft, I think, seventh round. Um, so that said, I'm expecting a little bit more from him as far as poise, but, you know, you, <laughs> we'll see here because uh, he, he's just not used to the NHL action right now. And speaking of hot, hot off the press, trading news or uh discussion rather on the twitter and and facebook pages so today we've seen some articles surface about you know maybe like maybe we should trade forsberg <laughs> like should we actually consider trading some of these real key pieces and there was actually some replies back from the gm today and we have some interesting uh topics from even Elliot Friedman. So what, what did Elliot Friedman have to say about that, Kyle? So on the 25th of February, saying we're a couple of weeks behind on this just because it's just the way our recording schedule follows, 
uh, Elliot Freeman basically dropped what they called a bombshell and said there was a lot of talk about what Nashville was going to do and that there was word that there was maybe only three untouchables in our organization. And so those are Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, and Pecorine. Surprisingly, though, that at the time did not appear to be the same for Philip Forsberg. Friedman went on to say, I think that the other than that, the Predators are willing to list on just about anybody that includes for- Philip Forsberg. And as Adam said in his article, that last line landed like a gut punch in Nashville because Forsberg literally is the soul of this team. He is a cornerstone franchise player. You build a team around just like Pecorine. Well, <clears throat> I think from a fan perspective, they view Forsberg as the most valuable asset that they have. So that, that seemed to wretch in the stomach of the fans that they did not like that comment. It almost offended them. How could you take our precious? It's kind of like when Gretzky left Canada. It's like, that's our guy. That's what we're going to do now. So mentioning Forsberg leaving, I think kind of has a similar uh, animosity towards that idea. But I think it's interesting to note that shows you the direction the franchise is heading. They've turned a corner now. We're no longer in uh, making a cup run mode. Now we're in trading, you know, treading the waters or selling off assets for futures mode. And I think that really was kind of the the cold shock that it really is going to take to get in everybody's mindset. Yeah, we're going to start selling. It might not be Forsberg, but that's the direction it's going. Yeah, it's listen. It's probably not going to be Forsberg, okay? Like GMDP uh, today came out on the radio, and this was this, and I quote, this was his quote, okay? Philip Forsberg isn't going to be a guy that we have interest in trading anytime soon. Pretty straightforward. But it's also an open-ended question. Open-ended I, I, know answer. An, I know it's an open-ended answer, but that is probably one of the more direct answers that GMDP has given in a long time, if that makes sense. You know, because he's very very cryptic about stuff. Like, let's be honest. He's given us some stuff before and we're like, you don't even know how to take it. That is definitely more pointed in one direction. And if you look at the stats, obviously, like he's above a point per game right now. I mean, he he literally is our franchise. Like, and then if you think about some of the younger players, they want to play with a Forsberg. You know, you know what I mean? You can't deal off everybody. Like, it, it makes way more sense to deal off an Ekholm who's closer to the end of his contract and they can get massive returns for him and and on top of it you already still have plenty of veteran defensemen that will be basically mentoring the new youth movement as far as the defense is concerned. That sounds great but let me give you a counter argument it's that Philip Forsberg is the most valuable asset as far as uh, returning a high rate of return on who he is right now. It's kind of like if you traded Johansson, well, he's he's not hot, so you're not going to get top dollar for what he really should be garnering in return. There is nobody on the team that could garner the value that Forsberg is presenting right now. Fully agree, but also, too, are you able to get that same value from the draft? I don't think you can <laughs> no. this year, especially. See, yeah. see, this is the thing. When you go to the draft, you're gambling on the players' yeah. future because you don't know if they are going to turn into a Forsberg. Yeah. Personally, I'm opposed and, to that. And that's the thing. There are certain players that don't pan out. In the first, like, There's a ton of first-round drafts that will not be a superstar. And Forsberg is a superstar. Yeah. You see, that's my opinion. Like, That's where I'm at. Like, I'm not wasting away him. Also, too, he's much younger. 
Like, it's not like we're talking about a player in his 30s. You know what I mean? Like, this is a player that's still got a ton of meat on the bone as far as productivity, okay? So, that that's the thing. I, I mean, we're, we're pulling it up here. Where, where is he at? He's 26, okay? 26. He is still... That's, I think that's peak. I think, what's it, 26 to... 26 to, like, 31 is usually, like, prime... Yeah, for I players. Think, I think uh, defensemen can go a little bit older than that, but yeah, I think that's right. That's he's just he's just now hitting his stride. Yeah, that's Do you see peak, what I mean. Man. So that's why I'm like, it's not. This is not the time to sell a player like that, and then hope you get like, and you might get a single first round well, or maybe two, like, but you're still gambling on those players. They would have to be extremely high picks, like maybe first overall picks, and then on top of that. You're not going to get a first pick for him. Exactly. But like, but here's the deal. Like how many first overall picks have actually amounted to a Forsberg level? But well, here's the, I agree with you. I don't like taking futures in a draft pick because I don't know if AHL level players and people who are fresh off the draft are going to pan out in the NHL. We, we both are on the same page with that, but that's the way the game is played. If you need to sell now and buy for a rebuild in five or six years time, that's the game you're forced to play, and you hope it pans out. You hope you get a good draft pick. You just don't know. But let's go back to something that we kind of have overlooked. So who is it, Friedman, that said that Yossi, Ellis, and Rene were the only untouchables on the Preds roster? So Rene obviously has a no-move trade clause. So, okay, He's also sure. old, so, I mean... Yeah, honestly, the way the league's been, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't have a no-move contract if they ship him off for the last year or two, but I don't envision that happening here. It just, it just happens so much. I don't much even think this is a full no-move either, but it wouldn't happen. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you, actually. In this particular case, is so unique with, with Rene. I don't think it happens to him either way. So, Yossi, okay, I, I, I could see how that's a untouchable but you're talking about a captain and wouldn't didn't we trade the last captain away i wouldn't call yossi untouchable shea we weber was untouchable he's got he's a no move he's got oh, no he, move he oh, really? actually does oh have that's no right move. he just re-signed a yeah. couple years ago that's right that's so right. yeah and and he's locked into a long-term like i would argue very solid contract for you know like at nine mil a year that that was our big that's expensive bro it's expensive but look at how far we signed him out though yeah you see so like Here's the deal is it's expensive for these next couple years, but towards the end of his contract, it's not going to be as much with, because you got to think like the cap is going to be increasing, you know, so that's, that's fine. But you know how I feel about the long-term contracts. You end up paying some guy in the future for a past performance, what they did. It's kind of like, we, I don't know if we're going to mention it, but Brent Seabrook just retired a couple days ago. And he has kind of been the last few years as known as having an albatross contract. He's getting paid huge bucks and he's not doing anything. He is, he is not aged well, same way. So you're paying people for past performance because you're locking them in a good rate long term. But then if they tail off at the end of the career, then you know, you're kind of getting you're kind of getting toasted either way. But back to my main point. Okay, sure, Yossi, sure, Rene. Why is Ellis untouchable? So I, I think it, you got to go from two perspectives. That's because they signed Ellis long term too. He's already locked in at a value technically. Yeah. Because Ryan Ellis, you got to think uh, last year or last season before he was hurt, leading up to the, the Winter Classic, him and Yossi were only like three points off. Like he was on pace with Yossi. Like that, remember there was all those stats out there that it was like him and Yossi were basically putting up as much points as a p- defensive pairs like. Um, Oh, uh, Housley 
uh, like back in the day, oh, like yeah, their yeah, pairings, right. like literally legendary pairings of defensemen. They were putting up those types of points. And like we signed Ellis for only 6.25. That, that's why I don't think you're seeing either of those go because those are two solid state. Like you're going to get solid defensing on your top pair for the next five years. Like, you know, it's going to be happening. So, and that said, a lot of times where you see production tail off too is with the forwards because they're producing and they're producing, producing, and then they have a year where something happens. Johansson, Duchesne, these are all examples. Defensemen kind of have the luxury of like, even if they're not scoring, well, yeah. if they're playing really solid defense, then okay, like we have a really solid yeah. defense. They don't have to be as fine-tuned yeah. as yeah. So that's that's my argument with those two is because they're signed so long, and that's why you, when you take a look at like Ekholm, it, it's kind of towards the end of the contract here, and you know he's going to garner a huge pay increase by the time that's up because he's been all over the statistics community. They've put out like, hey, you, you guys need to be looking at him because he's been scoring like literally like overall scores of like 90 plus where because he really gets pucks to the net. By the way, he's been killing it. So he came back off the injured reserve, had what, like three goals in four games immediately. Yeah. So like he's a guy who gets pucks to the net too. Like that's the thing. He can actually shoot around defenders. So he has a very, very high price tag right now, like in return. Like you're getting a lot of assets if you trade him away. Um, that said, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to see that. Obviously, we've loved that calm. He's been, he's been phenomenal here. Um, but as Matt kind of foreshadowed earlier, there something's about to happen. You well, you know the writing's on the wall, and I don't know how much longer they can tread water too. And we've even scratched the surface as far as the the players that are also injured because it's like at some point we need to accept the 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 rebuild at this point. So we're about to go through this crazy stretch of games where we've only won like one game. <laughs> that was Dallas the other night by like the skin of our teeth too. Like it was a crazy game. We should have finished it in the 60. There was a terrible penalty call, whatever. And Rene had literally probably the best save of his shootout career. Luckiest. It was amazing to watch that save <laughs> like, happen. Literally, literally the best. And then Yossi in his bloodied mouth, just blood all over his jersey, just completely destroys that goaltender for the win. I love how he scores it too and he skates and he doesn't, he had like zero emotion because like Yossi's had a week. You know, like he's been he's been bloodied multiple times this week, and well, it's, been, it, it's nice to see a little grit too from Cat. Like it, it's been very nice to see that rough side of him. It reminds me of when Johansson scored. He was here that overtime winner, that shootout, and he got up and just walked out the door. Didn't oh yeah, do oh, yeah that was walked. the best. Where he just he just chipped it in and just went straight for the locker room. Yeah, I mean that said, we've only got one win against these teams. You know, like there, there's a stretch of eleven teams, and we have one win Let this me, season uh, so far. So that said. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, here's a stat for you to your to your end. The Preds are eight and three against Columbus, Detroit, and Chicago, but one and eight against everybody else. Yeah, is that two and eight now? With it might be. This was a couple days. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, I think it is two and eight just because of Dallas. I, yeah. I mean, it's still pretty bad though. Um, but yeah, that said, we haven't even talked about the other injuries that we have right now. Like, okay, let let me just let me just bring this up. It's bad, y'all. It's bad. You have Matt Duchesne, who, let's just say, hasn't been producing, but at the same time, he's had so many chances. Like, nothing has just gone in, okay? Like, he's just, he's very unlucky this year. He's on injury reserve. Ryan Ellis is on injury reserve. 
Luke Cunnan is on injury reserve. UC Saros is on injury reserve with a concussion. <laughs> Luke C, which we haven't even seen this guy. Like, where has he been? Luca. He's been, uh, he, he literally got injured like, what, first, second game of the year? He's been gone. So who knows when he's coming back? No one's even asked uh, about him. But at the same time, I mean, you just look at these players right up here. That is crazy. I, I mean, you're talking a top pair defenseman. Oh, and, oh, this isn't even updated. Guess who just got on this list tonight? Roman Yossi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, that is your top paired defenseman. Both out. Both out. Let me pull up my calculator yeah, he, here real you quick. You do some math. So, that's, uh, no, just do the total plus 9 million. So, it's 27 million. We have 27 million on, on the injured reserve right that's, now. That's insane, bro. <laughs> I just want to point that out. <laughs> Let's just throw that out there. So, like, if we're losing the next couple of games, I'm kind of okay with it, okay? Like, let's. that's like a quarter of our team gone. <laughs> and you're talking about, like, literally the staples of our team. Our top two pair defensemen, completely gone. Our backup goalie, a.k.a. our starter goalie, interchangeably, is out. Yeah, it's like then, a ghost town. Second, second line center, completely gone. Who also, also, like I said, who's been having... A stat-wise good year, but hasn't had anything uh, actually fall. I, I mean, if you think about it too, like I actually pulled this these stats up from uh, MoneyPuck.com. So they went over the top ten most unlucky players of the year, and would you believe that there are two Nashville Predators on this list? I want to guess real quick. Two there's to- two Nashville Predators. So the first one. Uh, the number one most unlucky player was Richard Raquel. Number two is on our team. Who is it? I'm going to say it's Matt Duchesne. It's not. Ryan Johansson. No. Victor Arvidsson. Didn't cross my radar. Victor Arvidsson because of the expected goals. Yeah. And I his shooting talent. His shooting talent is at 11.3%. He had one of the highest shooting talents too and expected goals out there. Third on the list, okay, third on the list is Taylor Hall. Victor Arvidsson was higher than Taylor Hall. But to be fair, Taylor Hall has had a terrible season in Buffalo. He has, but it's Buffalo. He knew what he was getting into when he signed that one-year contract. He could have signed with us. End of story. Okay. Good luck. That's what you get in Buffalo. You saw the, the video the other day where it was like Buffalo season in a nutshell, and he's like on a complete open breakaway, and he trips over the ice. I did see that. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah that, that's Buffalo right now. Uh, number four, uh, Sean Monahan, and then number five is Matt Duchesne behind Zabinajad. Like, it's crazy. We literally, on the second and fifth, we have the second and fifth most unlucky players in the league. I feel really bad for David Poole because we knew for years he was pining after getting Matt Duchesne. Duchesne dropped the hints. He wanted to come to Nashville. He loved country music. You know, he had a great time at the All-Star game here, and he gets down here and just falls completely flat. It's just not happening. It's just literally, and it, oh, you ready for this one too? I pulled this one out. This is a lovely nugget for you, Matt. Since the 2010 draft, the Predators currently have two players on the top 10 list in points. Really? Can you name the two? Since the 2010 Since draft. Since the 2010 draft. So I'm just going to, hold on. I'm going to name the top three, and a Predators number four. Tyler Sagan, Taylor Hall, Jeff Skinner, and then who's number four? Bro, I have no idea. Ryan Johansson. Really? 
You know who he's in front of? You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh so hard. Vladimir Tarasenko. Nashville drafted them? No, 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 no. Oh, who's in front These of These are all as, just as far as points. Okay, I got you. Ryan Johansson has more points than Vladimir Tarasenko since they got drafted in 2010. Wow, that's... Oh, he's also in front of impressive. Mark Stone and Kuznetsov wow. and Swartz. Okay. And you know who's number nine on the list? Mikhail Granlin, who we acquired. Really? Impressive. Well, it's impressive, but also at the same time, like, Poyle has to sit back at some point and be like, what is going on? Like, seriously, because, like, if you look at those stats, like, he has two of the top ten in points since 2010. He has two players that are literally in the top five as most unlucky player in the league right now. Yeah. I, I don't know how that's to explain what, that's it That's what I said. It's, it's like, not just a roster thing. If you look at the, the rosters on paper, to your point, the Preds are still great. I think, we, like I said, at the first of the year, we look better than we did last year. And then probably the year before that, I, it looks fine on roster. So this is my point. I've now finally arrived that it is Heinz's system. I told you that I, from like I, day I'm sorry, one. But I've seen so many stats this week yeah. that have proven me otherwise. Because I'm like, it can't just be coincidence at this point. Like, he already knew about the whole stuff with him being sub 500 and all this stuff. And then I'm pulling up all this information. And I'm like, we literally have two of the top 10 in points. And we have all these players. And it's not like they're not getting the looks, too. It's just, it blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind at but this point. But to be fair with John Hines, we also did suffer some of the same stuff with Peter Laviette. Yeah, well, towards the end, too, remember our special teams, too, within the dumpster as well. That has literally never changed. I, I think the last five years, <laughs> we've been in the dumpster as far as special teams are concerned. So I don't know if that's an I've said this multiple weeks now. I don't know if this is an assistant coach thing. They just need a clean house and start all over again. I don't know. But my thing is, at this point, you have to look in the mirror and say, is Heinz system the one that you want to do moving forward? Like, seriously, is this it? Or if not, there are plenty of other coaches out there right now. The Flames just fired their coach. The Habs fired their coach. Gallant is still on the sideline. Gallant's going to Seattle. I, I, but I'm just, I don't care. Like, literally to Matt's point, what is it? Philly has like three primary coaches. We can have at least those coaches as our special teams coaches or our assistant coaches. Like, I'm tired of, the, I'm tired of our PK getting hosed or our power play being terrible which we'll get to in a minute because we've been screaming for something to happen and guess what? Something happened and poof, we're immediately better. So anyway, let's not jinx that. But at the same time too, it, it is, it's very frustrating to see uh, Carl Taylor. Why not promote the Milwaukee Admirals coach who was killing it in the AHL? I mean, literally we were the contender for the cup in the AHL. They've been absolutely great with the farming system. He's been playing and coaching a lot of the players that are yeah. actually going to be on the team. I don't understand why that wasn't a choice to begin with. Yeah, I was going to make that point. That's what. That's exactly what Detroit did. Half of their team came from the AHL because they're in a rebuild. You know, a couple of years uh, before Nashville was getting in theirs, but they've been on a rebuild for five or six years at least. And it got to the point that half the roster was from their AHL affiliate, the Griffins, and they just decided to promote the Griffins coach to the NHL uh, staff because he's already worked with half the players on the bench as it is. So you know it's a good fit. He's got a rapport with the players. It, it would make sense in this case as well. I'm not going to argue against that point. I think at the end of the day, though, 
this is just symptoms that are plaguing the organization overall as a whole. I think the organization is broke on many different levels and you can't just point to one single thing. I think the whole organization needs an overhaul. Now, whether that starts from GMDP down or just removing GMDP or removing the coach, uh, see, well, uh, who knows? Said, after looking at all the stats this week, I, I am, because last week I was kind of like on the fence with GM. I said he's made, he's made some choices that he wants back, obviously. Okay. Like all GMs will have choices that they want to get back. The tourist saga was terrible. Okay. Let's just get over that. But looking at all the stats that I just pulled up and talked about, about how we have some of the, literally the top tier players, like these are the elite players and some of them are just being unlucky and some aren't performing and then others might be suffering from the system or whatever it might be. It's just not working at that point. I'm saying he's doing everything he can to try to get the players that he thinks are going to be good, but I don't know if this system is good. I I really don't like, and it's sad to say because we kind of like almost by default had to get Heinz. Yeah. I think at this point, I feel like GM has kind of, he's backed in a corner. His hands are tied and he made the decision to go with Heinz. If he backs out of that decision and fires him now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I don't believe any team is going to be good with a half of a year of a new coach. It's going to take at least a half year to get things going. Okay. So we can, we can give a slight pass on that. But you can have already had enough sample size to see where this is headed. And it's not it's not starting to climb to head and get better. It's it's still looking rough. It, player roster moves, uh, sorry, uh, injured reserve moves aside. But it does make GMDP look weak. And I don't know if I, I, there might be some, I don't know, a bit of pride involved in not wanting to roll over on the decision right away. You're, you know, you're a historic GM. You look, you would look weak to roll over on that choice, but I think it's the one that needs to be made. So are you going to stick it out for another year and let there be more pain, or are you going to stop the bleeding and do it? I know uh, currently there is betting odds in Vegas on which coaches are going to get fired first, and I think... I think Hines is second on that list. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think, think he's Canucks, top one or two. Canucks coach is the first, and then Hines is right behind him. So... I, Kyle, you alluded to it last week. You're like, you know, next podcast, we might be having a different conversation about who's in the bench. And I think, you know, this, it, this might, stretch be, coming up, it yeah. might be another two to four weeks. And I think you see, very seriously could see a change in the bench and the Preds, uh, Preds roster. So, uh, I don't know. It, it, and that's so tough because you're like, Heinz has only been, you know, you, you only give him half a season first. But like, we're, we're getting the sample size now. Like, I, I, I don't know what else to say at this point. Like, I, 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 I don't know. Like, it just doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> I, I mean, my point is, when are, we, when are we going to start having hard conversations with players on an individual basis? Like, I, I know the other night, Roman Yossi said something very telling in a, in, a, in a post-game pressure. First of all, he almost cursed for the first time ever in a pressure, which I was like, that's almost hilarious because, you know, he's very straight-laced type of person. Very, you know, it, uh, close to the chest on everything, that Swiss mentality. He was mad the other night. And he, I mean, he's even saying too, he's like, I got to be better. He's like, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say like, I've got to be better, which there's a lot of pressure on him because he just won the Norris Trophy. Like, you know, there, there's a lot going on. He's the captain. But he also said something very telling that said, yeah, the players are frustrated with each other as well because people know that there's great talent on the team. That's not, I think that is like unmistakable at this point. Like you look at the roster and you look at the names on here, 
there's talent all throughout it. But there is frustration because they know that that player can play a little better too. And they know that player can, you know, compete and even themselves can compete. So there's literally like this tension in the room. Like they still like each other, obviously, but they're kind of getting frustrated. And at what point do you sit down with some of these players and like talk about the coaching? Like, I, I know that might be a little taboo, but I, I have some player I, only I mean, meetings. Player as they only say. meeting. I, I mean, like, what, what, when do you start trying to ask the hard questions like, hey, is this system working? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you've played several systems now in your, in your, you know, rookie years in the HL and also with the Predators and La Violette and this one. And you can pull in information too from other teams like Granlin. He's only played in the system for like a year. He's played with multiple other systems. So, like, that's when you start having conversations with players like that. And you need to find out really quick, is this a player problem or is this a system problem? Like, and I know the coaching staff might not like that because they might think that's like, you know, like, oh, you're like questioning my thought. But at, you, we got to figure out something at this point because it feels like we're just going in circles. Um, and not to mention, too, we're not in the basement either, like the Red Wings or some of the other teams. So you're still not getting the high draft pick. Yeah. Like at least the, at least the, the Wings have embraced rebuild. You know what I mean? Like they fully embraced the rebuild. Okay. Like we're just stockpiling the, those first rounders and like high first rounders. Well, we're at the point too where our first overall draft pick would be so slim. Like we're probably not getting it. Yeah. Like, and that's the point that your I'm point to is make. you're in that like, no man's you're land. In that, you don't want to be in that zone for so many years because you're not even rebuilding at that point yeah. that you're just, you're stagnant. There's no advantage. You're completely stagnant. So, well, uh, well I'll tell you what, let's, let's switch gears here and talk to a little bit about something that has been going the right way. Oh, baby. You're, I, you're excited already, aren't you? That's, that's very true. <laughs> I want to talk about my boy who I've been preaching for years is Ely Tolvanen. So, Golvin and baby, do you think this is the year for him? He's the chosen, hey bro. It's no, obviously it's, it's, it's the year already. It's been settled, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I just I just like hearing you get excited because yes. you've been you've been like you're the one person just for years has been like bring this dude over. I've been noticing when Daniel's been hinting at Tolvin in the whole episode because I've got so much to say. I'm I've trying to not trying spoil to like, it. I've been trying to yeah, like lead trying him to in, prod so. the bear. So I tell you what, I tell you what, Kyle. Let's uh, don't you have a quote here? Let's once you read that quote first, and then I'll pop us off. So your other boy, Mikhail Granlin, said this about Tolvin in there or not, and he said Tolvin's shot is something special. You don't see that kind of shot too often, and the way he can pick <laughs> a corner, and it's a heavy shot. He's been playing good five on five, and then obviously on the power play, he's been doing a really good job in finding the back of the net. Oh. It's it's a thing of beauty, honestly. It really has been. Go ahead, Matt. You know, what's he been playing third line, which he hasn't really seen a lot of action, uh, even strength. What it is, is the power play. So I think at this point, I don't know if it was just, if he played the same way in the KHL, but from what we've seen so far, you can pretty much call him a power play specialist. That was the role he is going to be playing on this team. He's going to be fulfilling the role of power play and doesn't, I'm not sure which line he plays. I think he was playing the second it, line. It was power a play. first. Well, uh, he's playing the first unit power play. So okay. that's that's where they've had their most success. Is yeah. it's been Roman Yossi up top, quarterbacking, and then you had um, on either wing. And this is what we said too. We we'd said this. Like I don't know. I think Matt and I literally talked about this before. You have on the right side, Forsberg. Left side, Tolvanen. 
And then you had usually like Johansson or Mikhail Granlund in front of the net. Like that's what they've been running. Mikhail Granlund has been excellent at screening here recently. Yeah. Absolutely excellent. You better resign very, him next year. That's, that's a all very I'm critical piece. And then Johansson has been really good with trying to shovel some pucks to Granlund. And basically what has been happening is Yossi's been quarterbacking at the top. He has a guy open on the right or left. He passes to Tolvanen or Forsberg. And then Forsberg either likes the angle they have and it's open and takes the shot. Or it's a cross, you know, cross seam pass. High danger. This is the key. They are now getting high danger looks on the power play. And they have two high danger people on either side. And it is falling because my lord, some of these shots have been absolutely gorgeous. Because Forsberg shots, we already know they're great. Obviously, excellent wrister. Some of these slap shots that have been coming from Tolvanen have looked like Alexander Ovechkin shots. Yeah. And Kyle's shaking his head because the one the other night against the Stars was so flipping hard. Like, I mean, it, and it was beautiful. You hear oh, that, it you was, hear that it was ding, beautiful. You hear that ding, upper 90. There's no doubt. I mean, it was just like a clapper. I, I, my favorite the favorite i was listening and i found a clip from the dallas stars newscast so it's like our fox sports team but it was the dallas stars and they're talking about like this and he's like oh and so for daily tovin he slaps it and then like you hear the ding and then he was like oh score and the other the the color commentator went oh my lord like literally on air like and this is the dallas stars <laughs> i think they uh, were like whoa <laughs> like he was like, that was a clapper. Like, I mean, it was, there was no doubt. Like, even they were excited for that goal. Uh, I mean, like, you just look at stuff like that and that gets you excited, you know? Like, you, you don't even have to be that, that team's fan to enjoy that type of goal. Yeah, it's good to watch. That is quite a product he's been putting out. And this is the stuff I've been seeing. We saw in the KHL and it's maybe took it a little time to get to boil here, but. It is... Tovenin just got an assist, by the way. Yeah. So, he, he, what's his stats, too? Oh, like, I got I know, his stats, go ahead. bro. Yeah, yeah. So, he's so, got an assist as well. All right. So, let me tell you, you wouldn't surprise... You wouldn't uh, think of this, but it, just on the power play, I believe all his goals have come on the power play. He is third in the team in goals. Four have, four have been on the power play. Four on the power play. And and that's a guy who's making, you know, sub a million dollars. Compare that to Johansson, who's making, what, eight million dollars? He's got one goal, seven points. Yep. I'm not going to, I won't hold the goals too far against him because his job isn't really score goals. But yeah, assists. Um, we well, Matt, it. listen to this. Michael Gallagher said in the National Post the other night after the Dallas game, the 21 year old Tolvin now leads all rookies with four power play goals and is tied for the most power play points among rookies with six. He's also tied for the second most goals, five among rookies as well. Oh, yeah. that's, yeah, he, I didn't realize, yeah, he was categorized. As a rookie, I haven't been taking that slant on it. Everybody knows I love my rookie race. I forget the name of he the award. He has the most but, uh, goals on the power play as a rookie. Oh, and by the way, he's only played 16 games. Tonight's his yeah. 17. He hasn't started the he entire... Might, he might be in the running for uh, rookie of the year. He, and that's my that's my favorite award. I love he that. He has not played every single... I, I don't know if he'll be able to catch up just because, I don't of, care. Just because of point wise. I, I still like... But I guarantee you, power play wise, he... I, I, here's the deal. He's now at 17 games. He has five goals and three assists now because he just got the yeah. assist uh, from Benning. Matt Benning scores the goal tonight, by the way. So, uh, yeah, I, I, he's he looks, fen he he's looks phenomenal. And he, he looks like he's getting confidence, too. And, of course, on the power play, it's, it plays into how he had that extra room in the KHL, so his shot just looks so good with that extra space. Boy, now that we're seeing it, it's something special. I he's, mean, 
I tell you what, Natural Stat Trick also says that now he is second in expected goals on the Preds this year, which is, uh, that's saying a lot. He also is uh, second in the in the roster for the Preds in shot attempts, and he also is first in the team in high danger chances, yes. which is all important. That's the one that matters, and that's very obvious. Just imagine, not just on the power play, but if you can replicate that on even strength, well, now you're starting to put together a 60-minute brand of hockey, and we're starting to find the offense, which has been lacking. So here's the question, though. If he's this good in the small size of games we've seen him play this season, why did we not bring him up sooner? Dude, that's what I've been <laughs> well, saying, We've been Kyle. screaming. Well, I mean, like, I've been... Okay, when he first did his little KHL stint, and they were, like, talking about bringing him over, you know, like... And they, they kind of entertained it for a little bit, and it was during the playoffs and everything, and I'm like freaking out. I bought me a Golvenin shirt, baby. I still got it, okay? Yeah, my locker is number 11, because that was his original number. Yeah. like I was freaking out. I was on the hype train three years ago, and it's just taken a long time for him to develop. Granted, I think he's developed very well, because even five on five, he looks very gritty. He looks tough. He's finishing plays. Like he he actually looks stronger now. Like he's he's got the mustache now, baby. I, yeah, him and Saros are growing it out as a competition. They and quote they said it's greasy at this point because they can't really grow mustaches. But. Yeah. Well, I tell you something that we you talk about. We saw him a couple of years ago. What was the difference between this year and that time? And the difference is obviously the power play. When he came in, he got slotted for like a shift a period. Like it was so minuscule. They put him on the fourth line, which with a bunch of couple duds. But what you've got now is you've got him on the power play, and I think that is the difference. He is a power play specialist. That is the type of hockey, all offense, none of this regrouping in the neutral zone crap. It's nothing (laughs) but offense. This is the spot where he's shining, and he hasn't had that opportunity, you know, last year to to work in this avenue that he obviously is a is a specialist in. Matt likes stats. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna throw out a big one. So this is basically start of the season. To January thirty first, pre Tolvanen, the the pre B uh, on BC, we'll just call it like, <laughs> uh, it'd be a ET. Okay, the exp- <laughs> power play goals per sixty were at, was at four point five for the Predators, giving us a grand total of twenty sixth in the league. Okay, we were we were twenty sixth as far as like you know the power play goals per sixty minutes. Uh, February 1st through March 8th, okay? The Preds now have moved up to 8.7 power play goals per 60. That's literally almost double, okay? Yeah. Almost double. And we are now ninth in the league. Yeah. Climbed twice as good. I'm sorry, <laughs> but they don't lie. And that goes back to the, the teams now have to respect one or the other. They have to respect Forsberg, yeah. or they have to respect Tolvanen. And if Tolvanen is not scoring, Forsberg has scored several times on the power play. Granlin has scored several times on the power play because he's getting those dirty down home screens and he's getting the tips. The other night he had a gorgeous tip, uh, tip redirect in yeah. Dallas. That was stunning. So Granlin's now getting really comfortable with that that play in front of the net. This top unit is looking dangerous. And that's a good sign for the like. That's one of the only good things to have come here recently is the fact that they've slotted Tolvanen in, and they have now found some sort of mojo. Yeah. Like they have, they have it working on either side, and they have that stay-at-home player who who can get the tips and redirects, has great hand-eye coordination, 
and has been sliding it back. Yeah, I think even Johansson got a goal the other night because of Grandland because yeah. he was still screening. I tell you, that's that's been the missing piece is that screener in front and, and Grandland is still in that role. It's almost like things are kind of starting to come together, at least. I know we got a lot of woes, but I'm kind of a happy camper. And you know what else on the other side of the ice? I noticed the other day before the Carolina game, the Preds had killed off 19 power plays in a row. The PK is starting to get a little momentum. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's still 29th. Okay, I, I'm we, just saying you had a good stretch there. That's that's a win. We'll take it. No, we have. But my whole point too earlier in the episode was the stats were so bad at the beginning of the season as far as like I mean we, we got scored on like five or six times on the power play that one game. So it's like our PK stats have been so skewed to bad yeah. that we're not going to be able to dig out. So if we are on a run, yeah, it's kind of it gets washed it, out. It kind of gets washed in the mix because like. Honestly, we have been doing much better at the, the penalty kill. Tonight, we've already taken one or two penalties against Carolina, a hot power play team. I mean, absolutely smoking hot, and they haven't scored on the power play. So that is a much improving sign for us because, uh, I mean, like earlier in the season, it was like we took a penalty, and it, you might as well just, just give them one. I, I mean, it was, it was really bad. But if anything, you know, Special teams is something that we've kind of griped about for years. So I'm happy that we have a little something here to talk about. And also, it takes some of the pressure off of Forsberg. And now you've got another guy lighting up. Remember how we used to say, okay, if Forsberg can line up the Jofa line, then you got three guys going. Well, if you swap one guy the second line, then you got you got another two guys catching fire. Well, if Forsberg got fire, Tolvin's got fire, maybe we can start to get some chemistry going and, and get the ball rolling one way or the other. It's, it's, I'm a happy camper, I got to say. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, we've kind of danced around with, uh, obviously, we, we think that, you know, at some point, there's going to be some deals made, obviously, with our standings. The the one thing that has been almost a little frustrating and has kind of aided in us probably not doing anything so soon is the fact that Dallas is struggling and Chicago isn't the greatest right now. So, if you look at the top of our league, it's pretty much solidified okay there's there's a three horse race up here in our division and that's tampa carolina and florida those teams are all posting point sevens and higher by the way i mean they're they, they they've been killing it okay these are some of the top three teams in the league and all three of them are in the central division so basically we're just looking at that final fourth slot you know like it's up for grabs columbus has not been doing well either I, i'm honestly shocked with columbus and Dallas, big time. They're only at a point four seven five. I mean, they're just barely a, above the Preds at this point. So, I think the only reason, and some of the only reasons why Hines hasn't been fired yet, is there's still a glimmer of hope. You know what I mean? And I think the stretch is going to be very telling because we have a ton of players on the injury reserve. It is what it is at this point. And these teams, we're literally about to face like the top three teams, like back to back to back to back to back to back. Okay, so. It's a rough stretch coming up. <laughs> and if you can even come out like at 500, who knows? But if you come about, you know, and you get one win in those, I think to Matt's point, you're going to start seeing some roster moves. You're going to start seeing players get dealt, and then you're also going to maybe see some coaching changes. Um, I, I, I think that has only kind of prolonged our, uh, our stay here with, with some of our decisions. Um, that said, it might not even fully... Uh, stave off all of the trades because Poyle might still embrace it. Like yeah. it, even if we get a couple wins here recently, Poyle might say, "You know what? I can still get pieces for Ekholm. Gone. 
Carrier, guess what? You're lacing up every night now. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I would almost prefer that, to be honest. Like, if, if you can start slotting in the youth and start possibly getting them reps ahead of time to start the rebuild sooner and get that, I, I honestly, I'm not opposed to it. I can't quite tell if the injury squad, if it's going to have a catalyst on forcing a GM's hand one way or the other as far as roster moves or coaching moves or if it's going to slow it because you it's still you can't quite tell what the reasoning for these answers coming up in this next stretch are well are you losing because your team's garbage or you're losing because your key guys are out I could see how that would postpone maybe the GM's judgment or it could be a catalyst and say well if we're going to start sucking and you know you're going to be sucking now is the time to go ahead and get on the ball and, and just get it while it's hot we're still yet to see I don't know well, if we do make any trades, I'll be interested to see who on our team actually goes. Now, if you look at the Athletics 2021 NHL trade board, they got Matthias Ekholm number yeah. one on their trade board. Which, And that goes back to my point, is like all the stats guys are so high on Ekholm right now, and he's been absolutely killing it since coming off the injury reserve. You I, got Philip Forsberg at number four, which we talked about earlier in the show here, that we don't think Forsberg's going to get traded, but they're confident enough that they've got him number four on the trade board. And then you got Mikhail Granlund at number nine. Oh, See, so like that well, one hurts because well, like, he's top. He's he's part of that power play unit, and he's been doing so well. So it's like for me, I, I don't think Forsberg should even be on here or considered, just because like I don't think he's gone. Well, well, let's. That's something I didn't bring up earlier. You mentioned the Irene and Yossi and Ellis. These re, these people represented either no move trade clauses or good team friendly deals on the books. But I like the idea of when we discuss Forsberg, there's kind of another approach to take with it. It's not just what it looks like on the books. It is the fact of team identity and core identity. And who will you allow to be traded? Who do you think uh, represents the core identity of the team? And I, I have to think if I had to pick probably two guys to represent core identity of the team, two or three, it's probably Rene Forsberg, maybe Ekholm. So Roman Yossi. Yeah. I mean, like, so not just from a book's perspective or a high return that you could grant with Forsberg, but I don't know if as a GM, I'm willing to let Forsberg go just because of who he represents to the organization and where we are as a franchise as, as far as finding who we are on the ice. Well, Matt, Forsberg only has one year left in his contract. I mean, this last final year of his contract is going to pay him $6 million. The question I think then becomes, does Forsberg want to stay? Yeah, and, and you know, you say, well, we can't, we don't really want to see Ekholm go. He, he's worth too much, or Forsberg's worth too much. Well, it, it's going to stink either way. You got to lose somebody. And if you're going to be committed to a rebuild, what's the point in being in no man's land, getting no picks, and being, you know, not making the playoffs and not, you either want to be in the playoffs or you want to be at the bottom. So being in no man's land, as we always say, is no good. Anywhere in between is no good. So if you're going to sell, it might not hurt as much to sell like, and Ryan Ellis as it would maybe to sell an Ekholm, but I say you got to commit to it. You could sell them all off. You want to be as as bad as possible so you can fully commit to the rebuild, maybe get yourself an extra pick out of the deal. But if you kind of half half do it and only halfway commit, you know, those are the kind of uh, results you can expect. You can expect results to follow your amount of commitment to the process. And that goes forward with both ways. That goes not just with buying futures and selling players now, but it also goes with the youth movement as well. Yeah, and just just in Ryan Johansson as a as a goal for us tonight. They are actually winning right now against the Hurricanes. It's a shocking turn of events for us. <laughs> so 
we'll see if it all falls apart in the third. But um, man, good a good night so far for the Predators. And Matt, as we start the wind the showdown, you got any stats for us this week? I will have to say, uh, you don't see this too often, but Pecorino is making the stat sheet this week. He now has 59 shutouts, which is uh, fifth most all time from a guy on one team since 1943. So that's kind of a category he's unique in is that he's played, you know, for Nashville his whole career. So all of those shutouts are going in, in uh, as far as in, going in the Nashville direction. I think Matt will cry if Pekka gets traded too. It's one of those like, it's got to be sad for players getting dealt like Lundqvist. You know what I mean? Like on the last year of possibly their playing career and get traded. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I that. heard that uh, Lundqvist skated the other day. They he say did, he's still from his, from his heart surgery. Yeah, he's still, of course, far away from playing, but that was kind of faster than I expected, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for him. I would love to see him at least play a game again. That would be awesome yeah, yeah exactly but you know he's gonna have to get out there because uh also on the list is mark andre Fleury passed hendrick lundquist for 16th all-time in the most shutouts with uh 65 and that's with multiple franchises but uh yeah, he's got to get out there for at least one more so he can uh, can keep competing against Fleury there for that list and uh, a personal favorite of mine i always love my iron men streaks and now keith yandel now at 885 games straight has the third longest Ironman streak in NHL history. And that is incredible. That is freaking awesome. Could you imagine like, I I mean like with how physical the game is playing that many straight. Yeah. That's just, as a a man, it's a freaking nature, dude. (laughs) Yeah. That's a man right there. Who was the guy the other day? Uh, Somebody on the Predators was fighting, trying to fight Gudas, and I was like, "Oh my God, Good that job. is that yeah. is uh, um, you got to have some big balls to do a move like that." That guy scares me. He is one of the top three beast looking guys. And he guys actually in the like NHL. held his own. Like he was yeah. fine after. I was like, oh, "I'm I'm impressed." Like, yeah. I'm, I, you lived. I mean, like that's <laughs> lived the, to tell the like, tale. That's it. Like the good man for you. who lived. <laughs> yeah, get to get to the box and enjoy your time. Your two minutes is just sitting and chilling because uh, you had a distinct, clear. Height difference yeah. in that fight. I'll put I, it like that. I think the boys uh, bought him a few beers after a uh, move like that. Yeah. Take a breather and go, did I just do that? And uh, also, speaking of freak of nature, is Ovechkin's back in the stat sheet Shocker. this week. He ties, uh, screw Ovechkin, he ties my boy Steve Eiersman for second all-time Boom. in road goals with 362. And he now is third all-time in go-ahead goals, trailing only Brett Hole and Yarmer oh Yager by 18. That's nuts. He could very well uh, pass to go number one all time in the next two years. So uh, that's, uh, I mean, it, it's 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 almost impressive. Like it's that, impressive. I tell you, it, it gets me personal. Though. You start crossing off Irishman off the list, I start getting mad. But here's my here's my deal. Like people need to embrace and respect the fact that these things are happening right now. Because honestly. Like, are we going to see stuff like this again? Like, I mean, it could be 20, 30, 40 years before you ever see something like this again. Like, seriously. Yeah. Like, that, that's how monumental some of these changes. I mean, he's now up to 714 goals total. He's seventh all time. He's three behind Phil Esposito. I mean, he's closing in on, um, he's closing in on Brett Hull. Yeah. Younger soon. That's what I tell you. How? You I mean, gotta, like, that's, that's nuts. You got to appreciate what you got when you have it, and uh, you got to appreciate it. That's why I said in my old story about Tamu Solani. I didn't quite appreciate him as an all time great until he retired, until he I saw tears 
on the ice of him getting applauded by the audience when he retired, I was like, wow, I just watched one of the greatest of all time hang him up. And I didn't really take the time to appreciate you can, you almost get caught up in watching, you know, we get caught up watching the Preds all the time, but you got one of the top five best players of all time, probably in Washington. So you got to take some time, watch some of his games, watch some of the highlights at least and appreciate what a beauty you got right now. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at those players. I I mean, even like to put it in perspective too, Pekka is like one of the best finished goaltenders all time. Like uh, he is the best finished goaltender all time. So like when he retires, that's going to be, you know, a sad. Mo- it, it, it's just sad to see some of the great players are now like kind of phasing out, and it's just like we're getting to that point where it's like, okay, it's time for the new talent to take over. But it's not any easier. I'll put it like that. Um, one big piece of news that just came like fresh off the press. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but ESPN actually just signed a seven-year deal with the NHL to become its uh, become one of its broadcasting partners. So I know that originally NBC basically had the exclusive rights for them and it was about a $200 million deal. So apparently ESPN went full in on this. So very interesting to see because ESPN has always been hands off as far as hockey highlights and everything. They they only minimally cover it on their networks because, you know, they're covering basically the four other main sports, but now they're getting broadcasting rights. So that means I think they're realizing that hockey's on the rise and they're starting to, they're going to start working in more, hockey coverage and you might actually see more games on ESPN. So yeah, I think uh, I'm very interested to see how that de- the, it just came out. So there's no news as far as how that's structured. It's, it's honestly not surprising because you know, hockey is the first franchise to get a, a pro team in Vegas. And uh, it just goes to show you the popularity and the watchability of the, uh, the watch ratings of these hockey games. I think it probably, it, it's a smoking hot deal. I'm sure there's a lot of money involved, but honestly, it's a good product to buy if you if you're in the market because of where the game, the state of the hockey and the state of the game is is currently. So that will be uh, interesting to notice going forward. And Daniel, what games do we have coming up before we record again? So, as I've alluded to this entire episode, it could be a rough stretch for the Predators, but who knows? We're actually doing well tonight. Um, so yeah, so tonight we're actually playing Carolina. We play Carolina again on Thursday. Then we follow that up with Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, and then Florida and Florida. <laughs> so literally the top three teams in our conference all above 0.7 <laughs> as far as their percentage we are playing in the next six games. So once again, the next six games are going to be very telling for us. And and I heard, I didn't really notice it, but somebody mentioned that point percentage is now an official column on NHL.com stats. Yes, because of, I didn't if know. teams don't play as many games because of COVID, then right. you're, you're actually going to go off the point percentage, which is very interesting because Dallas is really low. Well, that was my point, is that that could be some foreshadowing of where they're going to play because I forget which team, if it's Dallas or somebody, they're going to have to play like four games in seven nights for like two months straight. And they're like, you know, them showing you that we're going to the points percentage, we're putting it as an official stat shows you that the league might, it might be warming you up to the idea of that. That is where we are going to go here in, in the, in the closing time of the season. Yeah. And, and I think that's the only reason why the Preds kind of haven't made moves yet. Back to my point, like point percentage wise, Dallas is struggling right now because they, they kind of got out of the groove with the ice storm and then they had COVID hit them early in the season. So they've played less games, but they also haven't gotten into a rhythm like other teams and they've suffered and they're below 500 point percentage wise. So that's crazy to think like 
that we still actually have a glimmer and a shot for the fourth spot because Columbus hasn't done well, Dallas hasn't done well, and then Chicago looked like they had turned the corner, but now they're back in the point five six I think for their percentage, so they don't look so hot either here the last couple of games. So, I mean, Kane's basically been leading them. I think Kane's second in the league with points now too, so it's going to be a very interesting next couple of weeks. Uh, we will have way better clarity as far as where we're standing as far as the team and points percentage in the next two weeks. I guarantee by our next episode, as Matt said, is going to be, you know, very telling. And maybe we'll have a new coach finally. I don't know. We're winning against Carolina tonight, so we'll see. I think we're just delaying the inevitable at this point. So, Well, guys, that's going to be the show for today. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to catch more of our episodes, you can find us at Music City Gold on iTunes or anywhere you catch your podcasts. And don't forget, you can also find us on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Until next time, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.